to the Theater of Public Policy podcast. My name is Brandon Boats. The show we have for you today comes from our, our trip out to Washington, D.C. in September of 2015. We had two sitting members of Congress on our show, both representatives from Minnesota, Mr. Tim Walls and Mr. Tom Emmer, a Democrat and Republican, respectively. We talked a lot about what it means to be a member of Congress and the lack thereof or bipartisanship that happens. We talked about what the first time is like, the introductions and orientation and lots of other different things about how the Washington political machine works. It's a very good show. I hope you enjoy it. Before we get to our interview, I just want to say that the Theater of Public Policy is having its spring season this April and May. Every Monday in April and May, you can go to the Bryant Lake Bowl to see the Theater of Public Policy live. We'll bring a guest on stage and interview them about a particular policy idea, and a team of improvisers will bring it to life using completely unscripted improv comedy. We have a great lineup of guests, including the lieutenant governor of Minnesota, two representatives, a Minneapolis city council member, and a whole lot more interesting folks coming on to talk about different policy positions and issues that matter in your communities. We hope to see you there every Monday at 7 o'clock in April and May. We are also accepting sponsorships for this season of the Theater of Public Policy. You can see your name and organization in the program, mentioned live on stage, featured on the website, or even talked about in this podcast. We have a variety of different options that can fit any budget. Uh, but because we don't have any sponsorships as of yet, so I thought I would do a fake one. Frontier Mattresses. The only mattresses that are similar to pioneer times. Our mattresses are handcrafted and filled with corn cobs and corn husks. We'll ship the mattress to your door, and if you don't like it, it's the only mattress that you can throw in your fireplace to heat your home. Frontier Mattresses. The husk you trust. All right, that's it for announcements. I hope you enjoy the show. So, so I, uh, I should say, uh, in the interest of full disclosure... We can address the fact that you guys uh, called each other this morning to wear the exact same thing. They're going to think that Minnesotans only have two outfits. Actually, we share. Oh, that's <laughs> Uh, no, I should say, in the interest of full disclosure, I was an intern briefly uh, for Congressman Walls before he was a congressman. Uh, if it balances it out, I was a terrible intern. So, uh, so I don't know who that's in favor of. So uh, thank you both for being here, and particularly for being here on a very busy day, uh, because uh, there, was, there was someone else in town. Uh, uh, so you both, uh, I know we're at, you were both uh, earlier today, you heard from the Pope, and so I guess that would be just a, a question of where I would start is how, give us a sense of what that was like today to be in the room and, and hear from the Pope directly. Go ahead. Well, well, <laughs> Tom was telling stories. No, of, really, you go you, Tom, Tom, Tom was telling stories about going to Catholic school. Those oh, are yeah. the ones you should hear. It oh, brought yeah. back all these memories. It was like post-traumatic stress. <laughs> Did the Pope Catholics bring a ruler Pope, with him? Yeah, so... Uh, no, it was an amazing experience, and I uh, all too often I think those cliches of when, when someone comes in, is this a uh, one of those moments, or is it does does Congress go back to fighting immediately afterwards? And, and I, don't, I don't think, yeah, that's what I was. Uh, it it was uh, it was different than that. And when heads of state come, it it can create some friction, and I I think the Pope was certainly uh, addressing a lot of issues on a lot of people's mind, but it seemed like uh, there was a lot of uh, a lot of camaraderie that's missing. I, I could be wrong. Oh, I, I thought it was great. I love the fact that 
the Pope seemed to agree with everything that I believe. <laughs> <laughs> Did he call you beforehand? <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, so I, it is it is fascinating to me, uh, you know, to this intersection of somebody from uh, a religious sect coming in and it intersecting so vehemently with uh, this political process. And I, I know that you know there's a lot of political issues to deal with and whatnot. But I, I guess to sort of respond to that woman's laughter, is there some? Uh, I, does it laugh? Like, are you guys going to wake up tomorrow and be wearing different color ties, basically? I have seven kids. I only have one tie. <laughs> what did they get you for Father's Day? I don't know. The ties that they're not wearing. I have six boys. They're wearing the ties. That's oh, that's nice. Uh, <laughs> that is nice. That is that's nice. nice. I, uh, uh, okay, fine. I'll move on from the Pope. Uh, there's plenty to talk about. With, uh, so, uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about was actually trying to ask you about how you think about your jobs and whatnot. Uh, Congressman Walls, you've been here now for a decade, actually, almost. Uh, and Career politician? Is that, that, yeah. When is that mark that you get to that you are officially the establishment? Yeah, I don't know. Um, well, John Stewart say you pay like a million dollars to consultants if you're not in office, it's because you're the everyday man, and if you're in office, you have experience or whatever, and that's the two pieces of advice you get. So um, I'm still trying to figure that piece out. Uh, of what makes the career politician. But uh, yes, I've been in for 10 years. 10 years, and uh, Congressman Emmer, you, I know this is your first uh, term, and so I, I'd start with you in the sense of how, what's it like, uh, sort of this transition to moving from Delano, Minnesota to uh, being in Washington for a lot of the year? Uh, it's, uh, I mean, you're right, I got sworn in on January 6th, and I immediately started getting sworn in on January 7th. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, actually, it's, it, you know, Delano is a lot like Washington, D.C., I find. Really? <laughs> Delano. Did something just fall out of there? Is there a trap? <laughs> we'll turn the fog machine on for the second act. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know, because we've been here now for a week, so I think that we know pretty much how D.C. works. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you, you and me both. Yeah. This is great. But uh, the culture is very different, uh, obviously, and I'm just wondering how different is it also as a member of Congress, and, and you served uh, in the Minnesota legislature as well, so how is that different, I guess? Uh, the place is much bigger, moves much faster. The, uh, the rules are much different. You can you get a book in the Minnesota legislature that literally are the rules. And if people understand the rules, you can do a lot of things, regardless of whether you're the, the majority or the minority. That is much different than here. <laughs> it's much different. And it's much different not only for the minority, but for those in the majority that may not be setting the agenda. So it, it's a much different place. Well, I would agree. And I, I came directly from the high school classroom and someone asked me, you know, what possibly, because it was, I, I got elected, and I remember the night I got elected, I turned to my wife and I said, I don't even know what this job is, um, what you do, because I've never, I had never been slogan? in the house. <laughs> well, I was hoping that is. but I, uh, I supervised the lunchroom for 20 years, so it prepared me well for yeah. this. Uh, <laughs> But uh, no, and I think it, 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 it is very different, but the one thing, it, it just amazes me. Uh, guy like Tom, guy like me, I certainly never imagined being here. It's actually pretty amazing. At times it's terrifying, like the tightrope walking with no net, but uh, 
we just elect a school teacher with no experience or whatever to come to Washington to deal with these issues. Whatever. That's, pretty, that's pretty incredible, but uh, there is no manual to tell you how to do it. So you just kind of, people back home are always, is it just like House of Cards? And I'm like, no, it's like Forrest Gump. Things just happen. <laughs> it just does. It just happens. And, uh, and what's, what's really encouraging about it is, is there is a ton of leeway there to kind of reset what those rules are if you choose to. And I, and I uh, he's pretty self-assured anyway, but I said when Tom came here, uh, the idea of collaboration and kind of doing it a little more like Minnesota was very obvious, and uh, that's been really great. I, for some of you, I don't need to mention that he replaced someone, and that was slightly different at time at that. But it depends on how you approach it individually. And so... Hey, well, this is it, because uh, you two do have a relationship, uh, <laughs> and uh, the, you're... <laughs> I know, I'm not trying to get you in trouble. I mean, uh, when you put it that way... You agree with, I, just, I feel you a agree little dirty about it. You, you agree with the Pope on it, so... <laughs> I'm not trying to sink anybody's <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no, it's fine. I've lost control of my show. So, um, I don't ever... Uh, so, uh, but I was going to ask, so it, you two get... Uh, there was... Uh, I'll, I'll try and manly yes, this up. You all yes, went trap shooting recently. Uh, <laughs> yep. That's true. Didn't they have? Didn't you? Couldn't make it. <laughs> That's our show, everyone. <laughs> Talk radio. He's good at this. Uh, good at this. Uh, so you all have a uh, and so yes. a, and uh, Congressman Walls, you noted uh, the the sort of uh, camaraderie and being able to work together as a but it, you know from the outside it looks to a lot of people like that just is doesn't happen like or that if you try to do that you're inherently attacked or whatever and so I guess I'm trying to figure out what is it that you two have that uh, we should should we be buying like trap shooting lessons for all members of Congress to get them to work together that maybe if they they go and shoot some discs uh, then they can they could pass a highway funding bill <laughs> there's a strong correlation yeah, I, 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 what do we have that others don't have? That kind of scares me, actually. The, uh, boy, you, you said uh, two different things on that, though. I, I, I think uh, about working in Congress, first off, what your perception is, is not reality. We've got a prism, which is all kinds of different information sources that people decide, this is the one I believe, this is the one I don't believe, this is the one I want to access, I'm never going to look at these. And that's the picture that is painted of whoever works here. I will tell you, it's the one thing that surprised me, because I never expected to be here, probably like you. Uh, this is not the place that I expected to be working at any point in my life. And so my perception was much different. And since I've been here, somebody's asked me what's my biggest surprise. It's the talent. It's the, uh, the people that are here. And yeah, when you first get here, the story's true, that you walk into the building, you look around, and you say, my God how did I get here? This is amazing, right? And then about a month later... you talk to me. That, you know, <laughs> then about a month later, you walk in and you go, how did those guys get here? <laughs> but overall, there's just great people and they're very talented. So the first part is the perception is not reality. Uh, and then working together, you do get beat up. You get beat up by people who don't understand what it is you're doing and they're getting their information again from these singular sources. And so you got a choice. You can either buckle and just go with the flow, or you can actually lead, which is this is what needs to happen, and I'm yeah. going to put in the time. By the way, if you don't like it, vote for.
for Tim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't. That was I could not win this district. I was going to say that's some weird gerrymandering. If I know the districts well. But I, uh, I, I do think, and I think some of it, every state has it, but Minnesota, we, Garrison Keillor's thing, where all the women are strong and the men are good looking and the children are above average. Uh, we have a sense of pride. We have the highest voting percentage uh, that carries back till 1972. 120%. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, were push, they were pushing that voter ID thing. <laughs> But no, I think it's true, and I said, it's a constituency that allows and expects that. I said, I think each of us are really proud of that, and you get these unique congressional districts, and I think there's an expectation from both of us to do that. I, I often talk about in my district, uh, I have the Mayo Clinic in my district. I also have every can of spam that's produced in the world is in my district. And so there's a broad spectrum of things that go on, but people kind of expect you to, to make it work. There's a long tradition of that, that the, the firebombing is, is not, well, some people have had success with that, others have not. So th there's a follow-up to this. So uh, right now, uh, we're talking a lot about Minnesota, but this <coughs> what relates back is that we have an open congressional race in Minnesota right now. The second congressional yeah. district, uh, uh, Congressman John Klein, will be retiring. And the story in uh, our local Minneapolis Star Tribune was, nobody wants this job. <laughs> like, I believe uh, Pat Garofalo, a, a Republican, I said, uh, I would rather stick a fork in my eye than run for Congress. <laughs> if, if somebody said, so you're thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> So there's a, there is a perception that uh, this is sort of a brutal job because you do get beat up constantly. Uh, it, it, the perception is not very much actually gets done. Like there's less and less to sort of point to and say, and we finished doing this. And uh, what you do get to point to is, and I spent 18 hours this morning uh, raising money. And so I think that it does seem like really exhausting yeah. to folks. Well, I would go back on what Tom said. I think there's some incredibly talented people. That part's what troubles me the most. I think it's, it's an American trait to be skeptical of government. That's in our DNA. I, I'm worried it moves towards cynicism. I said, especially as a teacher, to see young people say, what difference does it make if I, I get involved? And the thing I would say is, is that, uh, you can make a huge difference, you can get involved. And I, I think it's, and I feel a strong sense of this, I think part of this job, the way I see it is, is to try and restore some faith in the system, not to necessarily agree with me. All hear people say all the time, we need to throw all the bums on. I'm like, yeah, but there's a whole new set of bums. What good's that gonna do? It doesn't, that doesn't necessarily change it. It's the perception of that you can. And I think guys like Tom and others, we were speaking uh, of, uh, of some of our colleagues, that seek out the things where we can get things done. And I said, I think, and, and Tom's been, since he's been there, been very active on this issue, doing things for veterans. It's non-controversial, it's the right thing to get done. It's somewhat challenging and difficult. Bring those <coughs> things together to actually get some wins where you can. So mm -hmm. I think you make the most of it. I think what gets, there's, in politics, the biggest, it, it's just easier if you can just make harsh separations, these false dichotomies, good versus evil, he's right, he's wrong, I'm right. Um, <laughs> that's what you, and just, but then, and there's no percentage in it in the long run. You've been run. talking to my wife. So. <laughs> the, uh, let's talk about the veterans issues in the VA, because I know this is something that both of you have been working on a lot. So uh, I think, again, it's surprising, probably, or, or confusing to folks, because it does seem like something that's not necessarily controversial. Everybody wants to get it fixed, and yet it, it doesn't, it's not fixed. And so what, what is, the, what's, that's the freaking holdup, I guess. <laughs> Well, you go. 
No, I'm going to defer to you because you say we've both been working on this. I've been here now for nine months. Well, that's interesting. Nine months. You just aged it. Uh, <laughs> but Tim's been working on this since the beginning, and he's been kind enough. You know, as, as I go and meet the people, you've got great people that are working in our VAs, right? Mm -hmm. But there's an institutional issue that it takes. This is why throw the bums out, great. Then you gotta have another guy start all over again at the beginning and start to dig, dig into these issues. Uh, Tim Walls has been digging into this now for years and frankly is a big help to me. Well, it, it, here's what it is. It's the second largest branch of government, the VA is. They have 80 million unique visits per year. I represent the Mayo Clinic and Mayo will tell you in certain things like cardiology and things, they'll tell you the best care in the world is at the Minneapolis VA. Um, but it's very complex. These people, when they come and veterans present from all different conflicts, have a myriad of different issues, and they tend to have more issues than the general public. And I, and I think um, there's a rigidness. Tom is right. There's a, I always say this, that I live on a floor in the house office building where there's an entire floor uh, relegated to Benghazi, and uh, maybe rightfully so, but we have, we have fewer people looking at the VA than that. And I make the case that we need to multitask. We need to look across the thing. We need to put the effort there. So those of you who are frustrated with it, Tom's right. There's really good people focusing on this. There's an absolute commitment to getting it right. But if you try and deal with VA healthcare outside of healthcare in general, it's really complex. 80 million visits, um, multiple issues coming back. How do you get it done? It's no excuse. And um, there's folks that are, have their little kingdoms. Those need to be broken down, but I think if we get out of this false choice of public versus private and have some type of blended, if it makes sense to go to your local doctor, go to them, and, and I think you can figure that out. Uh, so I took an organizational management class once, so... Um, <laughs> was, it, was it a semester course? Uh, yeah, it was a whole semester. I was there for a lot of it. Um, and, <laughs> But uh, so there's a p uh, the the challenge here, right? Is that you have 535 yeah. folks uh, uh, with ideas about how this should work, and then uh, you have a system that's supposed to provide services to an ever-growing number of folks. And so, uh, is that inherent? I don't know. There's a question there as to whether that inherent if that ever can work. Uh, the uh, system itself, yes, it can work. But it's one of the things. It's funny you're bringing it up, and I'll steer a little bit based on your uh, based on the question. Not just the VA, it's the mechanics of Congress itself. Amen. I got there and I, my uh, chief, uh, David and I were talking and I said to him, you know, the first uh, meeting that I had in the Foreign Affairs Committee, they introduce you, they say, welcome to the Foreign Affairs Committee. The first chairman of this committee was Benjamin Franklin. And the first thought I had, you know, that first meeting was, wow, that's kind of cool. Think of the history, you know, it goes that far back. About a month later, I thought, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. We're in the 21st century, and you're still running the same committee structure that you started the country with. Uh, you got to start looking at, are these committees even appropriate? What are in, I think what's happened... You're not a constitutional originalist, are you? I know. <laughs> Show me the pictures of that in the Congress. <laughs> you know, 
if there's that, uh, that uh, He's right, though, organizational on chart, uh, I'd be happy to go. I remember that a part of the Constitution with the organizational <laughs> chart. It must be the appendix that I don't have on my The flow chart, yeah, you know. The flow chart. If, if you are this kind yeah. of citizen, then here. Anyway, I, I so. I just didn't understand. Right. I didn't know you were going to be so mean. That was, that was, <laughs> you're right. That was uncalled. We are, yeah. You're destroying you know, Minnesota nice. The it's you the know past. what the golden rule is? I mean. <laughs> <laughs> It's, right. it's, uh, it's a passive-aggressive <laughs> Minnesota. So, I mean, he's right, though. It, it's the organizational piece. And, and your question was on this, Tane. How do you become an expert in this? Yeah. You do it in the committees. The committees are broken. It used to be you would trust the person who goes every day. There's no work that happens in the committee. And that goes, everything's done by leadership. This idea that there's a few people making the decisions for everyone else. Um, they don't tell you how to vote, but they can certainly set up the structure to make the vote that comes to the floor the one they want. And that didn't used to be true. So I think Tom coming from a functioning democracy at the state level to one that is not quite working that way, um, that, that's a little challenging. So this is interesting to me because a lot of folks have also pointed out that uh, there was a time where the system that you are talking about, and, and uh, at least from the outside I would think that a lot of the way that you work is that uh, traditional committee system. You know, bills are presented, they go through committee, people work on them. But we have much more, we have almost a parallel system now where folks have access, as you alluded to, Representative Emmer, to just go and talk through very particular channels to very particular uh, groups of people who elect them or don't elect them. And then that seems to so, totally sideline the, the process. And so, I, 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 I mean, is the, am I being overly cynical, or is there some element to that that makes it so that this, again, is sort of broken? No, I, I think you can be overly cynical, and I think maybe Oh, good. I think, <laughs> I think by the same token, maybe you are. I'll give you an example. So the, uh, I, I've got the Cuban Trade Act of 2015, yes. the Lithium Embargo uh, in Cuba. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's not the most popular uh, bill on the side of the aisle that I typically sit with. In fact, I think somebody on my staff, who I won't call out, suggested that, you know, when the Pope is talking today, you might have to sit in different parts of the, uh, of the floor. <laughs> but I say this because I don't have the support and leadership. In fact, uh, they're opposed to it. But by working the issue, by uh, building momentum from not only the other side, but more importantly, mine, once I hit a certain number, a threshold, then they really have no choice but to start to pay attention. There are ways to do this. You can be cynical, uh, and everybody has a right to, because the committee process doesn't necessarily work, apparently, the way it was intended. Remember, I've only been here for nine months, and I've been trying to figure out how you do this. But you can always do it by numbers, building coalitions of people and putting uh, your leadership in a place where they have to listen to. That's interesting. So, uh, and this is a piece where I would ask each of you about the, uh, with your own party's leadership, is it that you show up on day one and it's like, all right, uh, troops like fall, fall in, uh, or is it like, hey guys, hey, hey, um, no, it, just listen to me. I'm the speaker, guys. Uh, I'm trying to figure out like. Yeah. Well, I know. And it was. <laughs> I could. I could, I could tear up. I don't. <laughs> no, it, 
it, here's what I, and the first time I went in, and I keep in mind, my job before that was public high school teacher or whatever, so I get into this caucus meeting, it's the Congress, and it's all these people, you know, Charlie Rangel, names that I'd seen on TV, and it struck me, it was just like a faculty meeting. Some of the coaches were in the back reading the paper, not listening, and things were, you know, just your stereotypes are going on. But I turned, and I was somewhat shocked by it, and some of you remember, it was Neil Abercrombie, who went on to be the governor of Hawaii, and I turned and I said, uh, Congressman Abercrombie, I said, kind of, he goes, oh, if this were Europe, we'd be 28 different parties. And, and he was bringing up a very real point there, this idea of putting that political spectrum into two points on that line is, is irrelevant, it's not true. So it, it's much more about, as Tom's saying, building coalitions inside your party, building coalitions outside, and it's still possible to get it done. I think that was much more prevalent where, and it still happens in some of them, members of the Ag Committee the ag people saw their fight as rural versus urban. It wasn't Democrat versus Republican. It was more of that. When you fractured that committee piece, you fractured the things that held us together in kind of the unconventional coalition. So I agree, but there's ways to get it done if you are willing to do the work. Yeah, and I, when you do your invitation, John Boehner, it reminds me when I came out here, it reminds me when I came out here in November for the orientation and it's the organizing conference uh, for the first or for the next Congress. And part of that, you've got, in ours, we had over 300 people in this big hall, and it's like, yeah. it sounds like a lunchroom. People are talking and over yeah. one another. And it came time to elect leadership. And Kathy McMorris Rogers from Washington State got up and nominated uh, John Boehner for Speaker of the House. Then I watched this uh, smaller guy start to walk to the front of the room. And I realized about halfway up, that's Trey Gowdy from South Carolina. And he gets up to the podium, and he turns to the audience, who is still talking, and uh, I heard that Trey Gowdy might be somebody who would challenge for the speakership, but I didn't know, I'm new, uh, and I'm in the back watching. He starts, he grabs the uh, podium, and he says, I rise today to nominate John Boehner for Speaker of the House. And it starts to quiet down a little bit. He says, now when I go home to my district and my constituents, they are screaming at me. They are it's wagging a finger in my face and they are yelling, why did you vote for that John Boehner for Speaker of the House? Now it gets really quiet. <laughs> and he says, I tell them to punish him. No. <laughs> Who would want this job working for all of you with all your agendas and all your different and he went on and then he stopped and he says, so I ask you to please join me today and vote to punish John Bain. <laughs> <laughs> I can't stop that. Uh, so uh, we're going to bring our guests back in the second half of the show to answer some questions from you all. But right now, just a big round of applause. so it is a plan. <laughs> uh, I, will, I will repeat the question. Uh, it's, it's turkey trot, tater tot, hot dish. 
Uh, and you should probably, we should probably, not that not everyone knows exactly everyone what Everyone knows what hot dish about. is. <laughs> yes, hot dish is the, the state food of Minnesota. Um, it involves a starch of some type, uh, uh, usually a dairy product of some type, and, and then uh, meat. And usually I spam won it for me one year. Um, but we, Al Franken puts together this, and this is true, Al Franken puts together the competition amongst the eight representatives, the two senators. Uh, it started out as a friendly competition. Now it is brutal uh, <laughs> famish games or whatever. It, it's a battle. And, uh, and then they're judged by celebrity judges. And uh, I had a two-year winning streak. I lost this year uh, to Representative McCollum. Um, and I'm still pro to, she had kale. You can't serve kale <laughs> in a day. So, uh, wow, so how St. Paul of her. Uh, I'm, calling, I'm, calling, I'm calling her out. <laughs> I, the, the question though, I'll be fair, was to Representative Emmer as to how you will, how you will, how you will I, win. I thought I answered it. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Uh, it's just, I mean, if you, if you don't want to give Actually, it Actually, no, I'll tell you, it's nice of Tim to talk about Somebody else won. I won. <laughs> I, I won the uh, the competition. It didn't turn out that way with the report. But, uh, <laughs> wow, you haven't been in DC long, but you're picking it up. <laughs> I'm telling you, I was the first, and guess who won? The last. You know, Minnesotans are just so. Whatever I enjoy right now is the one. I want to go to the end of the line for the judging match. <laughs> That's how we beat the turkey trot. Uh, oh, it's so, good. it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> in the sky. Well, your eye, and people say nothing gets done in Washington. Uh, so, okay, other questions. Uh, other hands. Uh, da, 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 right here, sir. Uh, yeah, so I'd like to ask fact. both of you if uh, this is a hypothetical question. <laughs> Um, if you had to be trapped on a desert island uh, with, with a presidential candidate of, of the opposing party, <laughs> I like that question. I do like that question. And why? I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna well, go to Representative Emmer first because you have fewer choices. <laughs> I mean, yes, true, Representative true, true. Walls has to go through a phone book here. Of people. <laughs> If I had to be stranded on, are we back to famish or the other things? There's food. It's just, uh, you know, the way you get to bring one romance novel, uh, one can of suntan oil, and then one Democratic presidential candidate. <laughs> it's pretty obvious. If you've got the novel and you've got all the rest, it's got to be Joe Biden. <laughs> me to think about health all the time, and I, uh, I watched, I was at a race this weekend where a gentleman dropped with a heart attack dead, but oh. the people running next to him were four male cardiac nurses, so he's back fine again. So uh, I would take Ben Carson, just in case. So uh, you never know. You never know. Just in case you accidentally get conjoined to someone else? <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm thinking he's got a broader skill set than just that. All so, uh, right. Uh, other questions? Uh, yes, ma'am. Uh, for both of you, is the government shutting down next week and why are we not? 
I'm going to push farther. Uh, <laughs> so, did somebody just say you've only been here for nine months? <laughs> Question ever? I mean, the, the conventional wisdom is that we're going to shut it down. Uh, we we we're going to shut it, but you all are going to shut it down. No, you're, well, you're both. No, I, 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 having lived through this, it, it feels to me like it's the the same steps are happening and it's headed that way. But what's somewhat fascinating is is people that I, I listen to seem to think we may avoid that, and I'm hearing that more so that last time I don't think people were talking about it because we didn't think it was going to happen. And now it happens, so we know it can happen. So I kind of feel like the logic of this would tell me it's probably going to happen. Can you? Can you? What are those steps like? What does it look like? To is it? Just, is it uh, like when you're you have a sense that mom and dad are getting divorced that they just <laughs> they're never in the same room together? Or I don't know. I'm trying to figure out like how. What are the signs? Well, you're the one who's here. It's not shutting down as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I. You know, it's terrible that I go out in the in the press lobby to ask the press people what's going on. If you guys think we're shutting down, they tell me if they think it is, but uh, they're talking to a lot of different people. Um, it just starts to feel like it gets a, a momentum of its own, and you hear that they're going to uh, to make the case, they're not gonna get the votes, and then they add the drama, is John Boehner gonna keep his job? And uh, and then I heard, so this, 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 they're asking would Democrats support and vote for John Boehner to keep him in, and then it's that, you know, that old question, as opposed to what? is the one, what is the other? So it feels to me like we're on that same path because you start to hear this, but I do have to say, Tom and others, I spoke to several today, are saying no, and I think they would know more. And that's not a guarantee by any means. What, but you just guaranteed No, I mean, when people are involved, lots of crazy things happen, but right now, I think there's more that are interested in trying to get this thing through the finish line. I mean, how how quickly, and this is a this is not a particular policy, but how quickly do these things shift, and how quickly do you feel it, right? Like, could it be that right now there's some meeting that's happening in a Chipotle about whether or not the government is going to shut down, and, and you come out of here and check your phones, and you're like, crap. Uh, I don't think we'll get it on our phones, but I'm sure the meeting's happening, yes. It, it does shift that fast, yeah. and uh, sometimes and you start to hear it, it's really a weird little, uh, you know, the, I thought the high school thing was it. Sometimes it feels that way. The rumors start to go around, and all of a sudden you hear about it. Hey, this is happening, and it takes on a life of its own. That's and uh, I mean, I, I guess does there any control or agency in that, or is it a life of its own? Those those movements or those swells. <clears throat> I think it's both. Like Tim said, first it can turn on a dime. It can happen in minutes. Uh, you think you're heading the right direction, and all of a sudden something happens. It's kind of like when you watch the votes. You walk in and you see a vote and uh, people should be voting for it, but all of a sudden the reds start to show up and then you see the greens start to change and it accelerates and by the time you're done you have a whole bunch of reds and very few greens on one that you thought was gonna pass. It's the, the human factors are just as important as whatever the decision is, the strategy. As soon as uh, these different uh, representatives feel that it's changing, they don't want to be on the wrong side of it. They might not, you know, they might have issues back at home. They might have those two guys that were uh, complaining about everything, reacting to everything. Who knows? It's interesting. Okay, other questions. Uh, yes, uh, I'll go there and then this uh, right here. But. Um, this is to both of you. Can you 
speak a little bit about fundraising pressures and how they affected your job and how you think you could affect the so just to repeat to everybody, so the question is if you can speak about uh, fundraising pressures and how uh, that's either changed your job or I don't know if it's uh, how that affects your job. I, your job isn't old enough to have been changed necessarily, but uh, fundraising pressures. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it is ridiculous. You think about I was a high school teacher and uh, I remember I took the phone book and started going down the phone book. Oh, I know this person. I'll call them up type of thing. That's how sophisticated my operation was. Uh, but the plus side of it was, it, well, it's to a certain degree. Somebody said, oh, that's a nice pin you have. And they said, yeah, it, it should be. It's the most expensive piece of jewelry in the first district. It's $2.3 million. So <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, so I think the idea is, and all of us say this, uh, complain about it, talk about campaign finance reform. Uh, part of it is if you want to get those ideas out, and I knew as a teacher I could mortgage my house, get a little bit of, you know, $20,000 or something, and you'd have to go out and get it, otherwise you wouldn't be heard. So I think you can take it in a positive. Uh, the thing is, is managing it. it. It can't come before the job you do. Uh, it can't come before, Tom's got seven kids. I've got a, a third grader, Gus, he's eight, and my daughter's 14, playing soccer, so you're checking that. That stuff comes first. And then you gotta figure out how to raise the money at the end. So it, it you turn it to a positive, you look out there, but, but it, it's simply not right. I think all of us know that it, it shouldn't cost millions of dollars to you. I run into 100 people every day who would be good members of Congress. They're not going to be because they can't raise $2 million, and that's wrong. And I think, you know, I, I don't know that I disagree necessarily with that, but I have a different perspective on it. Wow. <laughs> I love that setup. That's good. That's good. <laughs> that is the most Minnesotan way of preference. It's very, I don't necessarily disagree, but, uh, so, sorry, I did not mean to interrupt. No, it's the last piece, but yeah. I have a different perspective on the first part. You know, I think everybody in this country should have the ability to run for yeah. anything than, and serve. Uh, and yeah. if we're shutting that out, that's a problem. But... I am, I, I, this isn't uh, uh, to Tim, but I hear a lot of people that uh, I represent, it's like, oh, geez, two years, and all the time, you know, you're up for election every two years, and all the time you're raising money. You know what? I ran a small business. I, when I ran a small business, it was, I was working on six months of work to feed my family, and while I was doing that, I was trying to fill a pipeline for the next six yeah. months or my family wasn't going to eat. You know, don't be whining about the people that are serving in Congress because it's just like running a small business. And when you're reaching out, first raising money is no different than knocking on doors and campaigning. Right. I'm calling people and I'm saying, this is what I'm doing for you. This is what I want to do for you. And by the way, I'd like you to do this with me. You know, it's, you get this uh, wherever you go, at your church and other places, time, talent, treasure. Some people have the ability to give their time. Some people have a talent that they can offer. Some people have treasure they can offer. Everybody should participate in the process. I think when it gets uh, equated with, this is the only way that you have a voice, right? Yeah. Uh, then it's it's not right. I'm but trying to figure out what you disagree with me on. I'm with you on that. <laughs> I'm with you. Awesome. We mixed it. We talked about the passive aggressive thing yet. I, I know. I'm, I'm holding it down. Uh, there was a hand right here. Yes. If you had to represent a other than Minnesota. Well, 
I would, in, in full disclosure, my family in our, in our farm is still in Nebraska, and I take it. When, but when I go back home at Thanksgiving, I cannot win my house, let alone uh, <laughs> Nebraska. So it's kind of like a pride thing. If I could just go back to Nebraska, I could turn that state blue. So I would say, uh, for me, it's uh, I'm quite happy. I always say this. Uh, they do the carpetbagger thing, and I always give them that old line. You can't choose where you're born. You choose where you live. And so my family lives in Minnesota, but uh, there's... I would like the idea of the challenge of that. Hey, you're not going to get me to go outside. <laughs> <laughs> I'll represent northern Minnesota, I'll represent western oh, Minnesota. Oh, listen to that. I'll represent southern Minnesota, but I'm not leaving Minnesota. Listen, in the spirit of it, I answer the question. Yeah. See, very yeah. 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 You went to college in Fairbanks. You wouldn't uh, go back to uh, represent Nanook. Nanook. Yeah. And Nuke is beautiful. And Nanook. A Nanu Nanook. He went for polar bear. That's very politically correct. It's an indigenous language. Let's see that. Okay. I'm uh, terrified where this is going. So, uh, <laughs> one, last, uh, one last question or so. Yes, ma'am in the back. Did Tom Brady cheat? Okay. My son has the Tom Brady up in his room until a week ago, and that red hat showed up in his locker. I was defending him. I am no longer defending him after the Donald Trump hat showed up. So, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> Didn't the courts resolve that? Oh! <laughs> okay. Very well. Okay, so uh, not because uh, our brilliant audience oh, asked. Oh, hurts. I know. It's just that uh, our audience asked so many uh, insightful questions about policy. I wanted to just <laughs> follow up on one, uh, which is so because uh, you both uh, cheered a little bit about uh, lifting the Cuba embargo, which I think a lot of folks would say that's interesting too. Uh, congressmen who represent relatively rural parts of a northern state uh, really want to open up trade with Cuba. And so uh, I was wondering if either, and Representative Outnumber, since you uh, uh, <coughs> sponsored the bill, if you would talk, why, why is that the Why Minnesota first? Yeah. Well, uh, when, the, uh, when the exceptions were made to the embargo back in the late 90s, specifically for agricultural products and medical supplies, Minnesota was one of the first states to set a delegation down to reopen the relationship with Cuba. And our agricultural sector is very heavily involved with uh, the Cuban people. Second, for me, you've had a Cuban embargo uh, through 11 presidents, uh, and nothing's changed. And if it was going to have worked, this Cold War policy, it should have worked in the 90s. And the Soviet Union if you can argue, well, this is going to benefit the Castros, the Castros are on their way out. Uh, this is both economic, for the Cuban people, let's allow them to start to be able to build this relationship. It'll be good for our suppliers as well. Let's also have a presence in Cuba because when this transition takes place, the geopolitical uh, realities of Cuba in the Western Hemisphere are very important to our national security. Let's start building relationships with these folks so that uh, we have a safer America and we can frankly create more opportunities for Americans and Cubans. That's all. I'm deferring to that. There we go. So I'm deferring to that. We've earned our money for that educational grant. So, uh, <laughs> we didn't really get any grants. So, uh, uh, so uh, 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 last question. Uh, just um, 
uh, and this is just playing to sort of the hometown uh, base, but what's the biggest thing that people here don't get about Minnesotans? <laughs> We're lovers, not fighters. <laughs> hey, do you remember at the beginning of this show when you were upset how I suggested there was some sort of relationship here? So you don't talk about it. I would, he's the hockey player, but I would say, um, I don't think after you get a certain age, you really can't like the coal. We just live with it. So I love the coal. I thought I thought we were on to something. Here's why. And I'm sorry that a guy from Nebraska who truly is a Minnesotan now, all right? He is one of us. I'm sorry that he doesn't understand, and the Pope should have talked about it today. Remember, snow and ice survive in heaven. They will not exist in the other place. Bahala, yeah, I uh no, I, I do think this obsession with the weather is real. Um, in, in it is. We talk about the weather a lot. And, yeah, uh, and food. And, it, and food, but it is the, it's the bragging by complaining. I find myself here. When I come back, I tell the Capitol Police when I come in, it was 31 below in Mankato when I left. Like, they give a damn. They don't care. So, but I tell them anyway. So uh, we really do love the weather. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a minute of applause.